Hello, and welcome. Coming to you from the Octagon, I'm Josh. And I'm John, and I just finished a juicy piece of picanha, and I'm about to wash it down with this nice acai bowl. Ooh, that sounds tasty. But this is the Geek ETC Podcast, where we dive into all things you can geek out about. So, normally we obviously have our little intro segment that we talk about things uh, not necessarily episode-related, but since what today is for me, right? So we're recording this on the 1st and... April 1st, yep. You happen to be coming here from a great topic to dive into yeah right so so this week we're geeking out about martial arts that's right and so this week so today i just finished like a a three and a half hour seminar with adcc champion Giancarlo badoni uh professor jean carlo badoni he's uh training out a new wave in austin texas and it was awesome in brazilian jiu-jitsu and brazilian jiu-jitsu that's right so yes i guess uh Full disclosure, so Josh and I both have a background in martial arts. I have a little bit. You have much more than I do. Well, sure, but, but you're yeah. so go ahead and tell them. Why don't you go ahead and tell them like what your background is? Um, uh, I mean, I have about maybe a really just a year's worth of actually practicing uh, a, a form of karate called karkido. And then I come from a background. I grew up wrestling since I was in fifth grade, uh, folk style wrestling. Did that all through high school. Went to state several times, and then. Um, you know, I'm not gonna be the guy that's like, God, oh, I, I could have gone to college. I could have, I, you know, I had opportunities. I had some small college opportunities or some, yeah. a little bit larger college opportunities, but I was silly at the time and didn't take them as were we all when yeah, we were younger, you know, just dumb high school things. And then, um, I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu religiously training, um, since 2018. I've tried, trained a few other places mm-hmm. and then, um, I started training at my current gym. Yeah, really kind of found where you fit in and <clears throat> that's right. Where yeah, you need to I've be. gotten every promotion underneath my professor, which professor, if you ever hear me talking about it in this podcast, it's a uh, instead of like sensei or like I don't know what else other people, you know, some places master, just masters, whatever. Things, yeah. yeah. We would call if you got a black belt, you just could call professor. Yeah. So it's a little less weebish, I guess, but they're Brazilian. So, hey, I mean, you. You know, you teach it. You are a professor of sorts, a professor of martial arts. That's true. It makes sense to me. It does. I mean, I th- well, you know, we call Master Carlos, we, you know, when we bow in, like, you know, yeah. you, you still bow in. And, and I, I think all that, all that's, you know, there is, even in like the newer things, like all of it is founded and based in tradition from long ago. Yeah, you know, a lo- all comes from some, some form that was practiced thousands of years ago. Yeah. You know, so I, I, that's one of my biggest things I like about it too, that there's still this sense of, you know, respect and that kind of uh, honoring those you were, you know, uh, who practice longer than you. And so looking at the, the base, like martial arts, right? What does martial mean? Military, warlike, mm. right? Arts. So it's warlike right. arts, right? So in today's day and age, nobody's going to really reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Right. If you were a Greek soldier and you were trained in Pancrase, Right. Or you wrestled in the Olympics or did whatever when you were like in, you know, 230 BC. Right. Right. You would not you coming now and learning some of this stuff like it would not be that big of a shock to you. Right. And right. even then they probably had some stuff. There was definitely some things because there was, you know, when people talk about judo, for example, a lot of basis in judo had to do with like disarming 
or throwing down, like when you get caught in that entanglement with another samurai or yes. another swordsman or something to that effect, what do you do? Cause, cause in, in, in real world, right? Swords can't cut through armor. No, that's the reason why people wear armor. Exactly. Because swords can't cut through them. There was a purpose. Here's my rant hour again, right? This is, <laughs> do you hear it one? I've, I've said it multiple times. Swords can't cut through armor, right? Yes. Some, sometimes they can stab through things or they can find weak links. And lightsabers don't exist yet. So, and if you're a Mandalorian, apparently you got plot armor plus Beskar. So, that's true. Um, you, these, these folks back then, right? Or in, in antiquity and going all the way into the Middle Ages. The warrior elite and those who were called upon and who fought didn't have the availability and didn't have like the availability of firearms or other long range weapons. Everything was done up close and personal. Right. Right. Blades and blunt weapons for the most part. Yes. And judo was one of those things where you you could throw somebody down on the ground, put them on their back, and then you could take your smaller, like your Tonto blade. Yep. Right. And you could start jamming that into bad areas. Right. You could start getting those into the weak points. You could put those in the chinks in the armor. Right. That's what it was about. So martial arts people, I think there's a lot of people that say, well, it's, you know, sometimes like Kung Fu and those, those, those things really, they play on this like inner peace and tranquility, which is not a bad thing. There's the, a kind of Zen aspect. The of Zen it. aspect, which is fine. Yeah. That, that's like to the kind of, you take the extreme to that. It's like Tai Chi. It's still kind of considered a martial art, but it's it's all about yeah the inner peace and the inner tranquility behind it and, and stuff. And that's the thing. So you know, Tai Chi would be considered a martial art, but most people when they think about like wrestling, folk style wrestling, mm-hmm. Greco wrestling, freestyle wrestling, don't consider them martial art right. because they're seen in a more competitive environment. Yeah, but the re- only time you ever see that really, you know, yeah, is in like you said, some kind of competitive, you know collegiate sort of environment of some kind until like you said you were at earlier until they step into the octagon right it becomes a mixed martial arts it's not mixed martial arts plus wrestling right and the majority of those folks who a lot of the ufc champion if you're not cross training and wrestling you're not going to do well no because wrestling is the king of stand-up right and you know judo is close behind and then that's the best thing about brazilian jiu-jitsu is you 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 encompass both of those things well and that's kind of you know the no matter what you know the the fighting situation is like nine times out of ten if you're ever in a real actual fight it's going to end up on the ground yeah there's an entire historical repository of like archive mm. of footage it's called world star hip-hop <laughs> <laughs> it is it is you can go there and you can find like you you see people getting knocked out and thrown down you see people fighting for real. Most of the time, it's not. The people don't know what they're doing. No, it's right? swinging arms, haymakers, wild swinging arms. Stuff. People not knowing what they're doing. Occasionally, you'll have some guys who have been in a lot of fights and they have their own kind of developed form of fighting. And so, yeah, they, they, you know, they they're very counter punch oriented, that kind of thing. But a lot of times, you see these organized fights where people are like, "I'm going to settle some beef with you" or whatever. Right. The second that they go to a ground situation or they get locked up people will come break them up. Yeah. And that the reason why is because it's a beast on the ground. It's a beast yeah. when you actually go into like the, the tides change once you're entangled on the ground like that, because there's only at that point, you know, anything that you do is kind of like a, a domino effect of, um, effectiveness mm-hmm. at, at that point. It's a domino of effectiveness in a sense that, you know, because you know if you go to punch somebody you know they they aren't you know if they they can't really recoil and fall back from it because behind them is the concrete or the ground yeah 
So, you know, their head just bounces off the concrete at that point. And vice versa, there's also, you can't hit off, you can, you can hit people off of your back, but it's not going to be as you, you can't generate much power from that. And so, so today I was lucky enough. So Giancarlo Badoni, he's a, he's ADCC, which is kind of like our, I wouldn't say it's like the Olympics of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but it's like the biggest, it is one of the largest, if not the largest, like submission grappling event on in the planet. Wow. Right? And so he won last year or t- for 2022, he won the 88 kilo uh, division there. And, um, he is awesome. He was an awesome down to earth guy. He's training out of, he's got his black belt from Lucas Lepre. Who's in, who's in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he's traveled all over. He's taught all over and he got taken. Um, he's kind of with, he's with John Danaher now. Uh, who's a, who's his coach mm. and they're in, they're in Austin, Texas and with new wave. So Gordon Ryan, okay. jujitsu giant, uh, um, and like him and some of those other guys, they're all rocking the new wave and doing that. And it was awesome to learn from him. Super down to earth guy, pretty, pretty good at explaining things. Um, he spoke really good English, which I mean, he's, he's from here, but I'm saying yeah. that's one of the things that a lot of the, the seminars that I've had with like, Brazilian um, natives and stuff. Or? Brazilian natives. Sometimes it's hard. Like when you're dealing with a language, like competing, right. In some of the tournaments that I go compete at, they speak to you in Portuguese. Yeah. So like, you're not, if you don't know what you're, what, if you're not used to it, you know, and somebody's like, Pero, Pero, Pero. And you're like in a death fight trying to strangle someone. Right. You, that doesn't register with you because it's another language. Yeah. You're just like, it, it blends into like the background, right? you know, the kombach means stop or, you know, fight. And then Piro means stop. And so like, if you're going out of bounds or something like that, they'll be like, Piro, <laughs> and then they get really annoyed with you when you look up at them and they're like, they've been saying it for five minutes or five seconds or whatever. Right. Grab like, I don't understand. <laughs> just, Hey, give me a second, homie. Yeah. Um, but he, it was nice. Cause he, he, you know, very well, like very articulate, got into things. A lot of it was very wrestling oriented. So it was like a nice refresh for me. And then a couple of really cool moves. He took a lot of time. You know, I thought it was supposed to be just two hours. It was supposed to be from like 11 to one o'clock. And right. We got done at like two forty-five. Yeah. So he took his time, you know, I mean, he already checked out of his hotel and has a flight to catch. So I, don't, I guess he has nothing better to do, but it right. Was yeah. Fun. Kill time to the flight. That's true. So awesome time learned a lot from him um you know we had another professor in town who's one of my my professor's friends and it was fun learning from him yesterday and goofing around with him yesterday getting roll around and yeah it's one of my it's one of it's my favorite pastime it's my biggest hobby it's one of the things i geek out about right you know that's one of the things i like about it too that i've heard from you many times too and that i've heard from other people was that particularly with uh bjj too is the willingness that uh, some of the people who've been doing for a while, like the, the passion that they have in teaching other people about it, you know, going and doing these seminars and, and, you know, sharing that information and, you know, growing, growing it as a, as a, uh, practice basically. Well, that's like my professor, you know, I'm a big guy and I wrestled and that, that having wrestling and having like some form of grappling experience when you start out BJJ it's like a it's definitely a boost. Oh, for sure. And so I remember being like a white belt and being able to do stuff to my professor who's much smaller than me. And 
you know, in some martial arts you see, especially some of the traditional ones, there would, I think there would be an ego thing there because there's a very thin thread sometimes that runs, like holds it together. And it's this fear of this unknown thing, this, this master or sensei could do, but they don't do it out of just whatever. Right. Right. Or they don't spar live or they don't do whatever. You know, my professor is like a hundred, hundred plus pounds smaller than me. And he just helps me beat him better. Right. Right. He has no ego in it. He's not trying to like, and of course it's a person problem, right? People have egos. It's their, it's their thing. So it's not like you couldn't go, you could go to a gym where there definitely could be like an egomaniac as a black belt right. or a purple belt or brown belt running the school or something like that. I've seen and heard about that a lot in, in other martial arts and stuff. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Especially if you get like up to the black belt, like you, you can get this sense of even, we, even in, uh, I'll just do it on a quick thing. On the school that I was going to, they have junior black belts mm-hmm. for kids who are, you know, who've been doing it for basically most of their life at that point, but they're not, I think you have to be 16 in order to test for the adult one. Mm-hmm. And so they were under that, but they've reached, you know, a junior black belt and there's one of them in there that you could tell he thought he was hot stuff. Oh yeah. And his, uh, I think, it, I think it was his stepdad that was also in the class. Um, and he's, uh, somebody like, as far as our class was concerned, he was a, a, just a blue belt, but he, he's had many years of training in other things like Muay Thai and stuff. And, and he's a pretty, you could tell he's a pretty, you know, grizzled, tough individual. And so anytime they would spar, they would kind of crank it up a little bit. And one of the last times I had saw it, like the, the older guy, he, he just kind of like, he's like, you want to go? He's like, I'll go. And then the, Kid, the junior black belt was like, yeah, like he wanted, he wanted, you know, he wanted to do it, and he got his nose bloodied. Like the other guy was had good boxing skills and, and good head movement, dodging everything, and he just hit him with like a left a left hook of a thing and, and completely busted his nose up and stuff and took him out. <laughs> yeah. So like you, I've I've seen them get humbled at the same time. Well, well, and I've got lots of it, like instances of that well that's that's one thing with like brazilian jiu-jitsu is like there have been some fake academies run by black belts and there's probably some good old boy Mm. black belts or people who have bought their black belts and just kind of coasted along but in all honesty to like really like to compete like if you want to compete in ibjjf which is one of the largest affiliations to fight under right it's a international brazilian jiu-jitsu federation right right you to do that, like you have to, your black belt has to be on file with them. And then you have to like register, like I'm, I'm this person's student. Right. It's very hard to fake. Right. I mean, not very hard, obviously like the CIA or NSA could easily do it, but right there, it's not as easy to like, you know, there's a lot of people that have like, I'm sure they have printed certificates and watched a lot of right. YouTube. And that's one of the things too, that in other martial arts, they can, um, it, it might be easier again, even in sparring or things to fake, you know, fake a rank that, you know, if you're decent at fighting in general, if you're sparring, you know, it might be hard to tell in other things, but I feel like BJJ specifically, like when you're tangled up with somebody, it, it gets brought out real quick. Oh, yeah. Very quickly. What yeah. your skill set is and if you're very any good quickly. or not. Very quickly. And, and yeah. there's some people like, like, there's like, one of the things I like about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is you can, it's, it's like my school, right? My, my academy is, is an international brand, right? And it's, Jiu-Jitsu for everyone is mm-hmm. the title, right? It's like, it's like their catchphrase. And there's a woman who fights out of our affiliation in Alabama. Her name is Jiu-Jitsu Grandma. She's like in her 70s. 
and she's going around and Jeez. competing with other older ladies and getting after it. And she has the best attitude ever. Cause she gets, you know, she, I don't think I've seen her win one yet, but she still goes and does them. And she has a lot of fun doing it. That's and, awesome. I, I, and I love seeing you, those older people who are still, you know, doing the, these, uh, activities and stuff that are tough, you know, mm-hmm. that they're hard. I mean, that's what, you know, keeps you, I feel like things like that keep you alive in a sense. Yeah. And, and she's still like a regular grandma. Like, you know, she's not like wild bill. Like, you know, she's not like out there, like on the ranch, like she's an Alabama right. grandma and she seems like an absolute sweetheart. And she still posts like those old people memes where it's like, <laughs> oops, I fell into some shot, you know, like my, yeah. they told me to diet and we're watch what I eat. And uh, you know, those kind of like terrible Facebook, yeah. you know, that things old people share and she'll post those sometimes and you just love her cause she's just such a sweetheart. That's funny. Matter of fact, she just competed like two weeks ago, I think at Pan Americans at, at IBJJF Pan Ams It lost, unfortunately got second to another older lady, but it was still, it's just cute. Like I love watching it. It is one of those things, you know, like, like wrestling too. When I wrestled in high school, right. I never had to fight somebody like this, but I saw it often. I've seen people compete high level and be good. Mm-hmm. Death, blind, yeah. missing legs, missing limbs. Right. Oh, yeah. I saw some video. I think it, it might've been on some Rogan episode that they were talking about a guy that did jujitsu, but yeah, didn't it only had like, it was a torso. No, he wrestles. Yeah. yeah, yeah he wrestled, a wrestle thing he wrestled like in college, like he wrestled, yeah. like he was a great wrestler and he, yeah, he was. And it, it, it was like, they were talking about how tough it was because there's half the moves you can't put on him. Because he doesn't have any legs to tangle up or anything. Oh yeah, and he's he's a, like he's already a jacked dude, and yeah. you know like he's he's training. You know he's he's on his hands obviously because that's what he uses to move around. Yeah, and he's like able to squat down with his arms and like just th- like jump like right. the height of a normal person. It's it's it was a wild video. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I've seen him get yeah. a hold of some people, and it's it's not fun for them. No, but, I mean that's the, that's one of the great things about grappling sports is when you get a hold of another person, like, you know, there's, it's the great equalizer sometimes. Like I've yep. seen small women, I've seen small guys, humble, big dudes. It, it It's one of those things that there definitely can be a scale that balances itself when, you know, there's always a scale in any martial arts. I feel like with just kind of strength and technique, you know, that if you have enough of one, you don't need as much as of the other, but that's a, a thing that if you have, you know, more of one that it can, it can balance out basically. And if you're, yeah. if you're lucky enough that you are someone who's real strong, you know, and big and you've got weight behind you and technique, then you're, you're pretty formidable, but you can take somebody who's small and maybe not very strong, but they've got like a master level technique and they'll still wrap you up like well, nothing. I have a buddy that trains with me. He's a big Jack guy, right? He played college. He played linebacker in college inside linebacker. Um, in, D2, right? So he was a D2 linebacker and I don't know what that means. Division but, two, like, you oh, know, okay. so like no, he, he played at like one of the local universities, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is still college football, right? Like, yeah, it's no joke. He could have, he probably could have played at like a higher level. He probably could have played like D1. He could have played at somewhere like Georgia or Alabama, but he wound up where he was at. Okay. Anyways, big guy jacked, very strong, like still like naturally strong lifts all the time. And he'd been training for a little bit and he was rolling with a smaller guy at our school. Who's about one, you know, so my buddy is like six foot one, two thirty, right. And all muscle. Yeah. And he was fighting another guy and the other guy was and another team member. So this was just sparring and 
it was after practice, like it was after we had already drilled our stuff and they were just getting some extra rounds in and he was fighting this guy and this guy's five foot five, one forty five. <laughs> wow. But he's a purple belt. Right. Right. And my other, my buddies just started training. And so my, my buddy, this, this little dude's crawling all over him, mm-hmm. you know, and every time he puts his weight somewhere, he's slipping out of it. And, you know, he wound up choking him twice making him tap. And my buddy was so frustrated. Yeah. He was so frustrated because of how big and strong he was. And he's, he's been training a little bit, you know, he's been training for like four or five months. He's still a white belt. And that's one of those things too, that with some people like that, that, you know, if you're, if you're fortunate enough to have, you know, good genetics that you're able to build muscle and get big and bulky stuff that, you know, I'm through most of your life, you know, a lot of things like that, you know, you're not worried about you're not as worried about, you know, either confrontations or just being able to fit, do things physically that, you know, smaller people would. Sure. You know, you don't encounter as much resistance in life to things that would require strength. And so I can understand how definitely, you know, that could be frustrating to come across a situation that it normally, yeah, like I'm, I'm big and strong. I should be able to handle this. And then you're just shut down. Well, and that's the thing. So, you know, he, he was so angry about it. Well, not angry, but he was just very frustrated. Like he was very frustrated. And he was, I could tell that he was taking it in a way that wasn't positive for his jujitsu journey. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I was like, Hey buddy, like if he's a purple belt, if he couldn't do that to you, the sports BS and you should be doing something else. Mm. Right. If he, if that didn't, if, because it worked on you, right. That's the whole point of it. That's the right. reason that mean that shows. So now when you're a purple belt and you're your size. Exactly. Right. Think about what you can do. That's the whole point of it. That's the whole progression of it. Like he's been training for that long. He should be able to do that to you. Right. And the fact that he can means that you're training in a legitimate thing where people can just. That's it, something to get excited about. Yeah. I can, you know, anybody that wants to come in to the gym, they take their shoes off, they get on the mat and they, I say, all you have to do is say, we're not going to be punching or kicking, right? But you can try to do whatever else you want to do, right? Mm. And then the, that's the open, you know. The, you no see, punching, kicking, or biting. <laughs> no punching, kicking, or biting. Yeah. And that's what turns, that's what's so cool about jiu Like back in the day, like the Brazilians, like the, the, the Gracie family, right? Yeah. They always, there was like the Gracie challenge where these random people would come in or they would dojo storm and they would fight the Gracies. And they would strike where they would come in and you would see them. Like they would just, they would do like a, a front kick do a double leg takedown, take him down to the ground and start choking him out yeah, and lock him up, in lock a, him in up, a triangle, arm bar, whatever. And we still see it sometimes like now the, the I've, we've, we've not had anybody quote unquote dojo storm us before, mm. but I've seen some, like I saw a video this week of a guy who came off the street and was like, they were cleaning up the mats after practice. And the guy's like, I can, I can, I can take you out. <laughs> the guy's like, man, I'm trying to clean up, go away. Like, if you want to come back for a session, come back. And the guy kept yeah. on. And so he, you know, it's the surveillance camera of him just arm barring this dude left and right. Yeah. And just goofing off. And like, it makes believers out of people. And a lot of times they don't come back because they, well, yeah. they, they don't have the, they thought they You're were humili- a tough person humiliated. and they don't, they realized, and, and honestly, they might've been a tough person at their level, but, right. but they got humiliated by somebody that was good. And they're like, well, I don't, I, I can't, I would rather be, I would rather be really good in my head. Yeah. Than actually good. So I'm not going to keep up this false self image that I have. Yes. Instead of be confronted with reality. Yeah. Essentially. So, um, and that's something now too, that I've heard me talk about many times is because of the prevalence and the widespread or as widespread as BJJ has got in the past number of years too, which is awesome is, you know, nowadays 
you don't know who could be practicing it. You know, if you're going to be, you know, some hotshot out on the street trying to pick fights with people, you like, I feel like the tides have kind of changed and people are kind of, you got to kind of question that a little bit. Cause like, yeah, you don't know who, who's like a purple belt or a brown belt and you can just go blue belt or a white belt. Any, any amount, if you have any amount of jujitsu stuff, then there's a good chance you're going to have an advantage over somebody. Yeah. You're going like, to have an advantage, especially if you get into like, as soon as you get into close quarters and there's a lockup, well, you know, even wrestlers, I mean, yeah. every high school has wrestling just yeah. about in North, like every high school in the United States has wrestling. Right. Some people like me, I grew up in Kansas. So I joined a club wrestling team when I was like in fifth grade and mm-hmm. I wrestled in middle school and I wrestled in high school here and there. Well, no, just here in high school. And there, there's a video of like, you know, once again, the, rep- the online repository, the historical archives <laughs> yes. of, of people being doing stupid stuff of like, it was an Oklahoma state football player and another guy. And they definitely seemed to be instigating it in the bathroom with these two smaller guys. Mm. Well, they were both wrestlers, uh, and not the, just the wrestlers. Guys? They were both wrestlers and BJJ guys, the smaller guys, the smaller guys. Yeah. And this dude, I mean, this guy's an Oklahoma state football player. So if, if, if you've never been around somebody that's played college football, like I, I'm, I'm only 5'10", right? Right. I was a good football player. But there are levels to this, right? One of the guys I trained with is 6'7", played for Clemson. Right. right. They're like a different type of person. Yeah. They look, They're kind of half giant. They are. They really <laughs> are like a different type of sapien, right? Yeah. They look different. If you, people see Tom Brady on screen, like, well, he's a little dude. Go stand you next to chimps Tom. versus gorillas. Go stand next to Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? Tom Brady, Tom Brady might be small on the field compared to those other people. Yeah. That's the thing. The other people are They're scary. huge. They are huge. It's just like a different type of bulk, you know? Yeah. Um, but these kids, right. These, these, they were all kids, right? So, you know, people definitely the younger two, the other two smaller guys probably could have walked away. They were all in a bathroom at a club or whatever. Yeah. But the big guys were definitely pushing It's classic karate kid type of like, right. You know, what are you, what are you going to do? And the, the biggest, like one of the, 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 there was one, I think only one of them was a state Oklahoma state football player. And the other one was just a big guy. Yeah. And the little dude clocked him, broke his orbital bone, knocked him to the ground and strangled him. Wow. On a bathroom floor. Yeah. And so, and his buddy was doing the same thing and they beat that dude. They beat that dude. Good. And then that guy was upset. Because of like the broken bones, obviously, and he got in trouble and everything. And he was originally he was saying I didn't do anything, and he he tried to press charges and sue them and all kinds of stuff, which is an issue. Which I mean could happen, right? There's suing people is pretty easy. Which is why, of course, you know, we obviously don't recommend getting in any fights and street fights. And your first option should be leave the area. Yeah, conflict. You, know. I mean, you can avoid conflict for the most part. But if you yeah. can't, if you can't, can, or if you need to, yeah. I, I, violence is a. It, there's a reason why every country has a military force because violence right. is a, a problem. Yeah, problem there's, there's a point where just like Dungeons and Dragons, like you can roll. <laughs> maybe you roll a natural one on your charisma check, baby. <laughs> you might have to throw some hands. Yeah, like and, there's a point in any situation where, yeah, obviously, you know, exfiltrate would be the first, you know, probably the best and most, you know, uh, welcome option, but. In in reality, in real life, sometimes life won't let you do that. And, it won't. And, and it's good to have a skill set to, you know, give you an advantage. And this guy, I think, 
And I think everybody dogged on him so hard that I don't think a lot of stuff came of it. I think they didn't press. I don't think the sheriff's office pressed charges or anything um, on that dude's behalf because the video came out. You know, it was just cell phone footage. But right. I mean, that dude got clobbered, and he's a bit. They, they were they weren't like small, small dudes. They were probably like one eighty. Okay, like one hundred and eighty pounds bigger but, than me, but way smaller than this dude who's like probably six four, two fifty five, two sixty, and then like yeah, you know, if you guys aren't aren't familiar with like American football, right? You're one of our. We have some listeners who are from out of country. Yeah, when you go to a Division One like big school, like University, like Kansas or Oklahoma, Alabama, Tennessee, Michigan, when you go to one of those big name schools, right? And you, that, that is like your career. That is your job. Like you, all they do is lift weights and yeah. train. That's on, your, that's your em- empty time. Your pastime is just getting, getting big. <laughs> that It's their job. It's their, they yeah. have to do. And their coaches, like, I mean, Nick Saban, the Alabama coach makes like, you know, $35 million a year or oh, something. That's all Shoot. something crazy like that. Right. They have a vested interest in you better be the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. That's what the whole point is, right? They, it is the, the college football. Like I, I tried out for like the Shrine Bowl, which, which is like a North Carolina versus South Carolina thing. And mainly just because like everybody else on my team was doing it. And it, when you go and there's all those college coaches and they're, they're watching everything like they are very picky about what they get. You know, right. There's no, for example, I mean, I'm talking, I'm a junior in high school and the 40 yard dash, right. Is one of the, one of the combine, uh, things you have to do. So you run 40 yards It's a 40 yard sprint, right? High school. It's not like there's a dude standing there with a stopwatch. They have lasers and they're measuring you Jeez. not at the body part that hits. They're measuring you at the hip when you cross the line. Yeah. Right. And we had a really fast guy around here who, who could have, who was a really big prospect and he ran something like a four, two, three, which is extremely fast, like how NFL level fast, but then he bad grades and bad decisions. And yeah, that's a shame it is. But you know, there's, there's a lot of dudes out here who are state champions who don't, who just go work, you know, roofing afterwards or right. wrestlers and you get tangled up with them. And man, it wouldn't be a good time. No, not at all. So here's one thing I want to bring up. This is just a little thought that I have when I'm driving down the road. Okay. When somebody's going too fast, right? And, you know, sometimes we're going fast and people are going too slow, right? And like when we're driving down the road. Right. We're like, go faster, right? And vice versa. You know, whenever, but we always seem to get almost as more angry when some we're, we're not rushed for time and somebody behind us is pushing us down the road, pushing us down the road, get over to the slow lane, let them go on the fast lane. And I always imagine rather than getting angry, if they cut me off or whatever, right. Unless they're, unless they're driving like so badly that maybe they're impaired on something or there's some reason why like maybe law enforcement should get involved. I always like to think. Maybe that person's about to poop their pants. Yes. And I go from anger to empathy every single time. Like, right. good luck. I'm like, that guy's just trying to get home. Yeah. So we've he, all been there. We've all been there. We've all been there. You ate at the wrong Indian place. You ate at the wrong Chinese place. Yeah. You went to. You had some pizza that was too, uh, too much, uh, spice in the sauce or something. You went to Applebee's, right? Period. G- guaranteed. Just, just Applebee's. Get a quesadilla burger. <laughs> <laughs> So you you go yes. there, boy, the 2000s were a rough time. Yeah. You go there, 
just remember this, like instead of road rage and getting out of your car and then like getting in a fight that you probably would have and ending up on world star, world star hip hop and yeah. somebody pulling out a gun, somebody pulling out a bat, somebody pulling out a two by four, you getting yeah. clocked in the head and falling down and hitting your head or your car getting rammed. Just take the ego out of it and say, Oh, that guy, that guy's about to poop his pants. Yeah. Right. Oh, One thing that's always I'm helped out of the way, buddy. You go, hey, I hope you make it. Yeah. You know, One thing me. that's always helped me. And I, I've, I don't really have any road rage at all because of it and stuff. But years and years ago, it was kind of, a pers- there was a perspective shift. I don't remember where I heard it or who told it to me that, that oftentimes, you know, in drivers that are, you know, different things as we're growing up, we're told that, yeah, there's a fast lane and a slow lane. Mm-hmm. And that's what many, most of society know it as. But it was at some point described to me as, you know, there's just the driving lane that you are in and the passing lane. It's not a fast lane, a slow lane. It's just your driving lane and a passing lane. So if you're just cruising, you just stay in the right-hand lane. Here in America, at least, it's in the right-hand lane, and you only get into the left one if you need to pass somebody, and then you get back in the right-hand lane. And so and in that case, if there is anybody who's moving down the road, they're going to just be in the right lane passing everybody. Yeah. And so anytime I drive anywhere, I typically drive you know, in the right lane until I need to pass somebody, and I'll go pass around them and get back in the lane. And that leaves yeah. it open for anybody who's... Impatient, or they got a pooper bag. Novel concept, you know. But and, some places it's not applicable. Like, I mean, that is perfect. That's a perfect example. Obviously, if you're one of our listeners in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's like a 12, right. it's like a twelve lane highway, there is I'm like you're not going to get in the right lane. Right? No. But everybody else, there, everybody just knows road rage is just a part of your culture, and just it's going <laughs> to be bad. Like you know, yeah. Like it's just going to be bad. Like I took my little ninety nine Tacoma to Atlanta to fight one time. And, you know, I'm I'm it's a four cylinder two two wheel drive, <laughs> like single cab. You know, yeah. I'm a big boy. And everybody's passing me going mock Jesus. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, they're, like, they're I'm shaking trying. the car. They're shaking my truck. I'm, yeah. I'm the little bitty dude out there now. And it was, it was yeah. not fun. So that's just, this little, that's just a little John. Little wisdom. life advice. Little yeah. life advice. When, when you, when you see somebody and they're having a rough time driving down the interstate or whatever. Give drive, them the benefit of the doubt. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Because you don't know. Because they could be turtling. And they could be about to crap their pants. I think that's, that's, that's where I go to. And it is an instant empathy builder for me. Cause I've been there before where like, Oh, I hope like, you're sweating and you got to get up. there. That's the thing. That's what's up. Indeed. So martial arts as a, um, like warfare thing. Oh, okay. Right. Well, he, we have pancreas, right. Which is kind of, um, Greek. Pancration, Greek stuff. Yes, I've heard of that one. I'm not super familiar with it, but I've, I've heard the term. It's like the one, it's it's very Sambo-esque where they have like, I think a lot of times they have like a gi top and then like shorts and then they strike and there's throws and chokes and stuff. Okay. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a famous video. We talked about like fake black belts earlier and there, this guy was probably not a fake black belt, but he was like a um, woo-woo guy, right? He thought he could oh, knock yeah. people out with his mind. Yeah, you got the the death touch stuff or like the energy manipulation things. And I guess the cult of personality, he had just convinced himself that he could actually like, so there was like an open challenge, you know, cause he had like knocked out 6,000 people or something silly like that, yep. you know, with his no touch knockout. <laughs> this is like a Korean guy, I think, or, or I think it was a Korean dude. Cause I think the guy he fought was Korean. Maybe it, they were, they might've been Thai. They might've been Chinese or something like that. I don't know. That sounds bad when I say it, but I'm trying to think there because there's 
There's been there's been a couple. There's there's a Chinese practitioner. I've seen a, a few different videos of this same thing happening too. So. Well, there's a guy. There's a, there's a Chinese practitioner who's a BJJ guy, or he's a, in a he fights more MMA, right? And he's been challenge. He's been fighting a lot of the kung fu tai chi guys over there because they they have this like cult of personality and the tai chi is like their national martial art or whatever. And so there's like a lot of respect yeah. and things towards it. And then he goes out there and kicks them in the ribs, kicks them in the legs, punches them in the face, picks them up, slams them on the ground, chokes them unconscious, you know. And they're like, you're making our sport look bad. I think he even got in trouble. Like the Chinese, like the, like the, the communist party came and were like, Hey, well, you can't, you have to apologize on camera. And well, I think he refused to do it. And I got think in trouble. in, in that specific, specific term, they're making their martial art look bad because it isn't working. Yeah. You know, it's, well, it's put to the test and it, it didn't work. So yeah, you're exactly. kind of making your own stuff look bad. And so this dude, this other case, I, I want to say. I don't remember where it was at. So That's we'll just, fine. we'll just, we'll, we'll ignore that. But they were, this guy was like the woo woo guy, knock you out with one touch. You know, they've got the, like the, the, they're showing the frames of him, like flipping people with not even touching them or whatever. Right. And then he fights this dude and this dude's like wearing a gi top with shorts and he's got gloves on. No, he didn't, he had gloves on. And the, the, the woo woo guy takes like a, like an overt, like, you know, like the classic Kung Fu Panda, fighting stance right? right you know palms like yeah. you know crane style or some silly goose thing like a mortal combat kind of thing or something yeah like you know yeah. like a definite like kung fu like yeah. my hands are moving this way like eat man thing and um the pan craze dude he comes in and he does like some wide like wide cylindrical movements towards the pan craze guy and the pan craze guy just punches him right in the nose <laughs> and the dude steps back and he holds his nose and he's like looking at his blood and he's so confused. Like, yep. like I feel like he's built this own thing around him. And then he fights the dude again. Like he comes back in and the, the, the pancreas guy winds up like hitting him. The, the woo guy dips forward at the belly. And then the pancreas guy does like a kick right to the dude's face. Yep. And it's just, it's over and everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. But that dude decided to fight. Like that guy was in it. That guy wanted to, that guy yeah. chose to be there and participate he in the fight. He wanted to do it. That's on him. It's like, there's the video, there's a video of like a little Aikido guy. He's like, uh, this is an American dude. And he's like, uh, Steven Seagal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ugh, don't get me started. But he's yeah. got like a pancreas, like, or sorry, he's got like a, he's got like a ponytail, Steven Seagal. He's <laughs> but, but I, every time I see Steven Seagal now, he's got like a he's got a uh, bandana on his head. Oh yeah, like that's that. been a thing. Yeah, but he's he's um he goes to this gym and he's fighting some Chuck Liddell looking Brazilian jiu jitsu dude, like some Jack dude, hmm. and he wants to fight him, and so he comes in, you know, and those that don't know, Aikido oftentimes is like very. It's very movement based, and a lot of the woo woo guys who go a little bit out overboard seem to be Aikido or Kung Fu esque. You don't see as much with karate. Or well, and one of the problems with that that I'll just mention is too that in their schools and stuff that so many of the students want to believe that mm -hmm. so hard too that they will go along and you know again falsely believe and just go along with it. You know, if they do do their no touch flip, then the guys will go with it. Yes. And that kind of, you know, is um, building both of the person's, you know, belief in their head that it works. Yes. And after many years of this, they both believe it works mm -hmm. and that it can be a thing. And so that will just compoundly domino to the point where 
yeah, you've convinced, you know, yeah, I mean, all my students, it, it works on all my students, the hundreds of people I've had come through my school. So of course it works. You know, yeah. you're going to believe that. Yeah. Well, the, well, this Aikido kid, he goes in there, you know, he's like a 30 year old something and he goes in there and he does his, he does his like whole like thing and he, he starts sidestepping and this Chuck Liddell looking dude, you know, big white guy, bald head, mm. slaps him in the mat, like slaps him right <laughs> here, hits him another time. Ugh. And he's like, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like he does like a timeout and like holds his, holds his head because he's never been hit before. Nobody's ever slapped him or punched him very hard in the head. And then they go one more time and then he just like, I think he picks him up and throws him on the ground and the guy is like, I'm done. Yeah. And he's legitimately injured, but he thought he could go in there. I mean, he went to the MMA person school. They didn't come to the Aikido school, right? Right, and right. that's typically what you see is like the people who come in are typically the woo-woo people come to the other person's gym. Yeah. I've never once thought to myself, you know what? I should go into the local Taekwondo school and heel hook everybody. Right. I've never once thought that. Well, no. Because I don't care. They can do whatever they want to do. If they want to come in here, I'll heel hook them. You know what I'm saying? I'll rip right. their ACL apart. But <laughs> that's the... That's the funny thing is like, it's typically those folks, uh, the boss rootin story back in the day. Mm. Have you ever heard that one? I've heard of boss rootin. I feel like I've heard the story, but I don't. Well, you, do you remember he was actually in Grand Theft Auto 4? Yes, that's where I first heard about him. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So he, he tells a story and I've heard it told a couple places. I think he told it on Rogan. I think he told it a couple other places. You know, boss rootin was a pride fighter. He did a lot of like, he's a pancreas guy. Like that's his background. And, you know, he was really famous because he would always like palm heel strike everybody. He wasn't really big on closed fists because he most of the time fought without gloves. So he was teaching like a grappling class in Holland. He's from the Netherlands. Mm. So he's in Holland or whatever. And he's teaching this grappling class. And he said like there was like this ninjutsu school or something like that. Right. And like he's like this chubby guy and he had like this cadre of like women followers, you know, and he talked about like this guy was like super fat and like, you know had this cult of personality mm-hmm. and he talked about like every time he would show a move, they'd be like whispering to each other, mm. like saying, Oh, if you did that, we would do that. Or you do that. We would do this. Or you do this. We would do that. And so then he invited one of the women up there. He put them in a rear naked choke, had his, because, or he asked her, he said, what did you say? She's like, well, if you do that to us, we would poke you in the eyes. He's like, okay. So he, go, he has her sit down in front of him. He gets, he takes her back. Puts the rear naked check in. He's like, in three seconds, I'm going to start. If you touch my, he's like, in three seconds, I'm going to try to choke you. If you touch my eyes, I'm going to break your neck. She's like, what are you saying? And he's like, if you touch my eyes, I'm going to break your, I'm not going to just like let go of you because you touch me in the eyes. I'm going to go. And he makes this like hilarious, like, like the way he breaks the person's neck. Like, yeah. He, he pretends he's breaking somebody's neck. He's like, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to grab my eye. He's like, you never mess with somebody that's in a dominant position, you know, like, <laughs> What are you going to do? Like, if you get in a rear naked choke and somebody's got it locked in, I don't care how big you are. If no. It, you're, you're done so. If it's a if legitimate. Unless there's is something that, unless there is something that would instantly shut someone's system down. Like EMP pulse. If it was a robot. Or, or you know, like a bullet to the head or something. Bullet, yeah. You know. John Wick comes in. <laughs> exactly. See episode 11. Exactly. Outside of something like that, yeah, like, there, it had to be some real extreme amount of pain to shut down that neural uh, system to prevent them from just, you know, following through with the, the move that they're doing. And I think the nineties that what, that's what happened is you got this whole like 
karate, taekwondo, and like people would be teaching like pressure points well, and stuff. So, so much stuff was fueled by Hollywood. It was, and so you'd have like all these pressure points and all these different little things, and people would like you could just go up to your buddy on the street because somebody else showed you, somebody else showed you who's a black belt, who's a green beret, who's a Navy SEAL, who's a blah 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 blah, right? Yeah. And then they would just like shove something in a painful portion of your body, and they'd be like, "That's karate, homie. Right. That's pressure points. I do that, and I knock you out. I hit you liver punch. If I if I hit you in liver four, you're done. Yeah, right. And you're like, oh wow, man, that did hurt. You know? Yeah. But that would be just like me going around, you know, and grabbing you and pinching you really hard. <laughs> right. Like I learned that at jujitsu. You didn't like that, did you? Yeah. That like, that, that jujitsu. I'll, I'll teach you how to pinch people. Pinch everything. <laughs> you I know. can step on your toe. I do step on people's toes all the That's time. That's true. Um, that's one thing too about jujitsu. You mentioned that, that broth written thing is most of the stuff you do in that, any of the techniques that most of the techniques you do put people into a position where it's, you know, it's a submission position mm-hmm. type of thing where you can disable somebody and, you know, give them the opportunity to give up or whatever. But almost every one of those positions that you have locked in can be taken to the next level and turn up to 11 and cause extreme, you know, bodily injury. Oh, yeah. If you don't, if, if you want to, I'm, there are compilations of people's shoulders and arms and legs getting ripped out of socket and broken. Right. Cause they didn't tap in a competition. Exactly. And it's, it's like they, a lot of times it'd be like, instead of not safe for work, NSFW, it'll be like NSFL, like yeah, not, not safe, safe for, for life. life. Cause it's, you'll see somebody and they won't tap, especially like MMA or something. And they'll have them yeah. like in a Kimura. And next thing you know, there's a bone. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Hey, look at that. It's sticking out. That is a compound fracture, friend. That is... I can't watch any of those videos. I've never been able to. You've tried showing me a few sometimes. The couple times where I've accidentally seen a video where someone's leg just goes 90 degrees or something that, yeah, like I'm immediately out. I can't even know. Well, I think part of it is, is because you can, we've seen people like most of the time if something breaks their arm or breaks their leg in TV, it's not realistic. Right. And we've seen people shoot themselves in the head or get shot in the head on TV or movies. It's dulled us to that. And we also can't imagine what that's like. Right. You know, we can't imagine, oh, that, oh I bet that burns, you know, because yeah. it doesn't. We instantly, oh, they're dead. They don't have any feeling now. Yeah. But when somebody breaks their leg, you're like, oh, I know what that would feel like. That, yeah. I bet I could, I could, but I could understand. You can kind of sympathize ooh, a little bit. Ooh, yeah. You get that kind of thing hurt. going on. Yeah. For sure. Um, but yes, it's speaking of, of which that, I mean, one of my biggest fascinations with martial arts has been in media, in movies and TV shows, video games, all that kind of stuff, that that was where a lot of my fascination grew and built as a child, you know, and started. And those are typically some of my more favorite things to watch because, you know, even though a lot of it is not realistic and stuff, it, it is very entertaining to me, at least, oh, you yeah. know, watching things like Mortal Kombat or... When I was a kid, you know, the Power Rangers and all that kind of oh, stuff. Beautiful, yeah. And, you know, yeah, all that type of stuff is a lot of my preferred things to watch just because it is very, you know, uh, fun to watch someone be able to, you know, pull out some uh, Krav Maga things, like the, the Jason Bourne stuff or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and to just beat up three or four guys, you know, without much effort. Or like even those Ip Man movies with Donnie Yen, those are some of my favorite movies because of the choreography in, in the stuff, you know, some of it is very, is very unrealistic. Likewise, another, uh, series, the Ong Bak series, uh, with, uh, Tony Jaa, 
um, they were from based out in Thailand. So there's a lot, it's all Muay Thai based. A lot of the stuff in there, some of the stuff in there would definitely work and be effective, but well, a lot. Muay Thai is a very legitimate martial art. Oh, for sure. It's one of the deadliest too, because yeah. it's like no holds barred, a lot of that stuff. They're swinging every limb they have. Yeah, there's, there's like yeah. a little dude named Rod Tang. Have you ever seen him? He <laughs> fights in Bellator or 1FC, one of the two, and he's like a little Thai guy, and people are always trying to like, like he just take, he's one of those dudes, like you see the videos where people are like, cocky and they take blows to the head and they actually get knocked out right you know instead like they like oh hit me in the face and they get punched in the face and they get knocked out in competition this dude just eats them for breakfast he's like 140 pounds of just pure steel yeah and well it's so many of them of so much of their uh martial art practices conditioning mm -hmm. to just kicking a tree you know 10,000 times in a day or punching, you know, bags of rice or in rocks or whatever it is that their bodies are so hard. Well, and hitting each other. That's another well, yeah, that thing. They'll trade kicks into the shins and stuff or into like the forearms and they'll just, they'll kick back and forth all day that they, they've broken. They've got so many micro fractures in their bones that have healed back up and built up all that calcium and all that stuff to just get hard as rocks. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you get kicked by a professional Muay Thai artist like that, it's getting hit with a baseball bat. Well, there's a video of, um, there's a guy in South Carolina. He's a UFC fighter. Um, I don't think he's really fighting anymore. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Mm -hmm. And um, he owns oh, Pitch Black, I think, fit, Pitch Black Martial Arts. I fought one of his guys before. Tapped him out. Um, <laughs> the, but he, there's a video of him kicking a dude who like a guy wants to comes in he's just he's like one he's like a big jack guy mm. he's like i want you to kick me in the thigh you know like oh, yeah. Steven boy thompson has a big like a karate background and muay thai background yeah he's a very good kickboxer and he he hits this dude like two or three times and then he gives him like a 100 percent. and that dude's i mean big muscled thigh mm. is just horrible looking yeah it, it'll take you down like i said it's getting hit by like a professional like MLB slugger with a baseball bat. Well, it's even worse. Like the, yeah. the, now that people are doing calf kicks where they're kicking on the inner, like they're hitting you in your tibial, tib oh, yeah. your tibial nerve and that just shuts your whole leg That's down. Saying, yeah, your whole leg goes numb and you're just going to fall. Yeah. And you can get permanent damage from that too. You know, like calf slicers. I Like I used to use calf slicers. One of my wrestling, one of the guys that coached for a rival high school, but I knew um, he was a coach at another school. He would, I remember him showing me how to like calf slice somebody in wrestling. Mm. in like a referee's position and I would use it and he's like hey just don't do it because you can cause permanent nerve damage and you sure can like if you put all your pressure into somebody's tibial nerve in their cap I mean we just talked about pressure points being silly but this one was not fun no and I've seen you I, I remember back in high school like I don't remember really why if it's just you know you were one of my few friends that I had sort of come hang out with you at practices or something but I've seen you put like your knee in the people's calves or and stuff as when they were down yeah, on the ground yep. and just see them instantly come unglued. Oh yeah. I don't care. And you're like, yeah, you that's are. one of my favorite ones to do with yeah. the kids that you're coaching. Oh yeah. When I was coaching, wrestling. You, you're coaching the wrestling, the, the younger kids and stuff. You're like, yeah, that's one of my favorites. Cause it, you just kind of lean on it a little bit and they're like, ah, Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was bad. Yeah. I was a bad boy wrestling coach. I was like, a, <laughs> I was like a child, you know, I just graduated <laughs> high school and I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll help coach the middle school team. Cause I didn't, you know, go anywhere to wrestle in college and, yeah, you know, those poor kids had to deal with me. <laughs> it was it was it was a fun time though. We won conference yeah. every year. It was it was a good like learning experience for me. But I was definitely like a child. And looking back on that now, there's like a lot of like cringe moments where I was, you know, uh, 
like now that I coach and teach other things a little bit like better, like my learn like how I taught people right. could have been a lot better. Well, we all grow with time. Of course. Yeah. So, but it was fun. You know, I was always very nice to them. I never, you know, that was one of my big things was I always, you know, I was always nice to my kids on or off the mat, you know, if I they remember lost. You, you telling me multiple times of literally just helping like kind of coaching them on non wrestling things about situations they were dealing with outside of school. Yeah. You know, they're just dealing with life stuff and yeah. you were like, help them out with things, which I wasn't necessarily qualified to do that, but it is, I yeah. mean, I was young enough to where I think maybe they took it to heart, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And some of that was just like, you know, especially when you're a kid and you're in love and oh my God, it's the worst, you yep. know, and you know, you know how that goes with me. And, I was like, hey, man, maybe, you know, like this high school relationship might, or this middle school relationship is probably not going to last forever. No. You know, like. Don't get too bent over You're going to look, you're going to look really back on this real silly. That was one of the worst things is I had like female wrestling managers at middle school and then the kids are always just looking to get away with them somewhere. Right. Like they were both. And so it was like, I sent them to go get water bottle and then I have to like go hunt them down like get get out of here get out of the locker room yeah like i'm not letting you kids get up to no funny business right oh children children um what's the you know one of the other things i like and it's not popular here necessarily but i'm starting to see it it come alive in a couple different variations is hema i've never heard historical european martial arts oh and it's legitimate because they're using swords. Oh, are they the ones that are just recreating the old styles on how to like, so there's, badge there's with two that? different ones. So there's like two different ones. There's like the Battle of Nations or whatever, something like that. And that's the one where you see that a lot of guys and they're typically wearing like Eastern European armor and they're just beating each other senseless. Yeah. In like a in like a box. Right. With with they got swords. I saw one the guy's in full armor. He hip, he does like a little, it's not like a real fancy throw, but he does like a little judo hip toss Yeah, in armor. Just like we talked about earlier, he throws the guy to the ground and he just starts taking a shield and beating him <laughs> in the stomach. And then he does a stomp on him and makes, knocks the dudes, uh, the wind out of the guy. Oh He's yeah. Like, oh! And then the match is over. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's people that are use utilizing more fencing equipment and yeah. they have like, you know, dull weapons or like plastic weapon like you know ru- not plastic but what's like kite like what's a, like a, a polymer type of thing a polymer weapon yeah. like you know and they just train these different arts and it's so cool to see how these guys like what they use and yeah the different techniques that they're looking at old treatises right which, that's what i was gonna say is there's a school that i've seen in uh some, some things on youtube that's down in austin texas that the historical weapons guild i think is what it's called hmm. that they that they have classes and they teach, yeah, like how to use like any kind of like old like medieval weapon you could think of. They like teach how to use them and they, they get all their stuff. They like have tons of source material from like yeah way back then, like manuscripts and, and old books that have the diagrams. And they've like all studied all those things with like that's what I use for some yeah. of the Dungeons and Dragons hands outs. For right, you guys are are, are old medieval treatises. Exactly. And this, the one, the monkey butt one is one of them. It's <laughs> one of the ones I found. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but the, the, it's so cool watching them fight. Cause like, like the spear is not sexy, right? The spear is not a sexy weapon to use. You stab it. Yeah. You stab it forwards. Yep. Right. In and out. In and out. And it is the most effective way. Cause like you, they'll, there's a lot of those videos where they'll come in and usually they go to first hit, right? So they'll, they'll, as soon as they get hit, 
and the fact that they can keep somebody at bay. That's what I say. The big one of the biggest things back then was distance. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you had longer reach than your opponent, you would win. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. They're, they're just they're 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 just you know <clears throat> thrusting in and out, thrusting in and out, like high, low, middle. Yeah. And these people will try to come in with light. Like if you've got a sword, you're done. Yeah. There's a no. reason why swords were considered sidearms, like a like yep. a pistol in the United States military, right, is a sidearm. It's not what yeah. people are, like... It's not a primary weapon. Yeah, it's not the it's not the gun. You don't take a pistol into, like, a war zone to go fight somebody, right? There's no point. Exactly. You're not... It's pointless. So, it's... The rifle of that time was the... Was the spear. Or bill, or, yeah. or halberd. Halberd, or, you know, a some pike, type of pike or something weapon. like that, yeah. Some type of pole weapon. And so... But when I watch um, the... The guys go to, at it with sabers. That's when it gets sexy. Yeah, that's when it gets sexy. But it's not. It, it seems like like Polish, like Polish saber fighting, <laughs> that kind of thing. They, they seem to have like this really neat style. I think there is a there is a movie. Um, I think it was Ridley Scott's first movie, and I can't remember who it had, but it was who the main star was of it. But he and he because he was a decently large actor, and they really discussed was the duelist, and he was a Napoleonic cavalry officer, and he had a, like a rivalry with another cavalry officer, and it's a pretty good movie because you see like these like really good kind of sort. It wasn't very; they were quick, they were over fast. Yeah, there was a lot of tension, a lot of build up. There was a lot of like oh try oh kind of in yeah. and out but it wasn't this long testing, drawn testing out, each other kind of thing it wasn't this yeah. long drawn out or swords or hitting swords hitting swords hitting swords it was like pop, yeah. parry cut and that's a really good one and it they, they they do those kind of things and i really i really find that there's a game called hellish court i think yeah. <laughs> that's that's what it is it's like a very realistic fencing game Interesting. And some of them have rapiers some of them have long swords some of them have like curved swords and it's quick. It's over fast, you know, but there's some, there's some videos of it where they're like, they're, they're Perry cut dudes hand off, you know? Right. Yeah. It's that, pretty cool. That's funny. So if you guys are looking for something like that, if you're like, if you guys came to this episode, I wonder if he'll give us like a recommendation for like a really good, like historical European martial arts game where I can fence. specifically, <laughs> um, hellish court is the, is what I would say. There you go. Look it up. There you go. Um, but the, so one of the things you, we talked about earlier is like Tai Chi, it's considered a martial art. Yeah. And I want to say, I want to argue that like anything that can't be used to hurt somebody or is not effective at hurting somebody, it's not, we got to get away from calling things martial arts. And some things like, like, well, it's self-defense, right? Like, well, self-defense, 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 self-defense. Sometimes self-defense, especially, I think even still, we see it with our art, with old dust, right? Detroit urban survival. Oh, goodness gracious. He's not, that's that's somebody that I keep blocking out of my mind as a thing, and oh, then he, he lives, I, I'll see it on YouTube. And, he lives, he lives in my mind constantly. Yeah, you know, he's a goober, and so I, much of that stuff will get you killed. Well, just get. I mean, so first, any any time you fight back, that's not a bad thing, no, right? No, because you never know what will happen. But the things he teaches are silly; they're not real things. And he's like, he. There was a Vice documentary on him. Before oh. all of this TikTok stuff kicked off. Really? And he was trying to start a private police force in Detroit. And it looked like somebody like this and, and props to him that he's somehow spent the money. 
they he called them they were like the viper unit but it was like an anagram for something like yeah, it was of course like, it, was. it was like a, you know vip you know with a period after each yeah, one yeah, yeah. the viper unit and they had like a hummer like a like a like an actual humvee and then he had people on like sport bikes like crotch rockets like it was, and they've all got like the black uniforms on it was like it was like a hollywoodized thing that right. he liked and is trying to do and somehow has gotten away with it. I don't know how he has the money or how he gets the loans for it. You know, but they're like, oh, the, my Viper unit responds. And like Vice had a whole thing on it with him. And when I, so when I started seeing him with the TikTok videos, I was like, that's the nerd from that thing. That's, that's who that guy is, you know? Right. But yeah, he, he teaches those kids and he teaches like people that. And I think when people say self, like when people think like jujitsu, boxing, Muay Thai, they think, oh, sport, sport stuff. Hmm. I've used wrestling many times in personal interpersonal conflict that resulted in violence mm-hmm. before I started training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And guess what? It works just fine. Yeah. And just like those guys with that with that dude from uh from Oklahoma State, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. if you're used to it, it's the same type of thing. Like getting hit in the face in wrestling is a common thing. You're not there's no punching or strikes in wrestling, right? Yeah, there's still, a lot of fast movement. There's a lot of fast. If you're spinning, you're going to get kicked in the face uncontrolled a million times. If you go in for a double leg takedown, you might get kneed in the face. It's Yeah, you're, there's a huge chance you're going to get hit or cross-faced or something like that. So these people kind of flock to these self-defense things because they think that's what's going to save them when really they should be training some type of sport combat situation like a boxing or whatever or yeah. practicing with a weapon or something like that. And, and one of the biggest parts of that that is beneficial is which I have kind of, I think is my biggest weakness and I have the least amount of experiences is getting desensitized to, you know, experiencing some sensitivity and, and, and some pain in situations like getting punched in the face, you know, knowing yeah. what that feels like and not have you ha- ever been punched in the face. No, don't, don't think about it. <laughs> Listen, I don't, want to say, I don't want my first time to be you for sure. Well, no, no correction. Let me, let me correct that. I, I, I got hit in my classes I was taking. Okay. during sparring but it was sparring kind of thing so it wasn't like full like it was like a bop in the nose on an accident kind of thing so it wasn't like i haven't really been like real punched in the face so i think things like that though but like at the same time i'm fully aware that stuff like that is in some ways good for people to experience that to oh yeah because you like to know what that is like so that if it when it happens it doesn't because if you never experienced that i'm sure it would happen with me if that happens it would shut you down well, it's the, here's, it's the analogy that I use when I teach, you know, I teach a quote unquote self, like, I, so I am a Gracie survival tactics instructor. I'm a purple belt. I, you know, I train a lot. I'm pretty, I'm decent. I'm a decent grappler. I like to, you know, I enjoy it. It's something I, that's fun for me. I, it's a passion I, of yours. It's a passion yeah. of mine. I, I enjoy competing with other people. Um, one of the things I, when I do, when I teach, I, I tell these people, I say violence is a virus, right? It's one of, it's the worst of us most of the time. You know, I enjoy the violence. Like it's fun to roll around and have fun with people, but violence is a virus. And what is a vaccine, right? A vaccine. And this is not even like, we're not trying to get like COVID stuff. We're not going to talk about like the kind of, no, as a concept, but, but as a concept, violence is a vax or sorry, vac- a, a vaccine, right? Is a inert virus, an inactive virus that's inserted into you. Mm-hmm. When you go to somewhere and you do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and you go at it, 
right? With this person that you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to get used to it. You get used to that kind of violence. You're, I call it a, a violence vaccine. Once you yeah. do it, you become way more comfortable at conflict. Right. right. We have a famous situation between you and I, right? Remember my name's what was oh, well, Billy. Bill, my name's Billy. Oh yeah. Right. There was a guy that, that accosted us one night after a blockbuster run. Of course. Right. And to be fair, you, and, you have to set up the scene back then, you know, we were teenagers then and I, you know, that was before, like I used to be very, very shy and very, very introverted. And that was definitely before I kind of came out of my shell. And yes. so I was still very scared of the outside world, particularly. And, you know, I, I definitely had not been desensitized to a lot of that sort of stuff or exposed to any kind of situations that could pre- present itself as, you know, threatening in some way. I hadn't experienced hardly any of that kind of thing. Whereas you have you've been wrestling and boxing and stuff. So yeah, you've been, you've dealt with people and been in confrontations. And I was confident even in high right. school, you know, I was, I was too, I, I was a heavyweight wrestler in high school. You know, um, there's obviously this is a, here's a little trivia. Here's a little back notes. One of the reasons why Josh and I know each other is because I used to date one of his family members. Right? <laughs> yes. And so like there, there's a story like your family obviously knows that like about how I, you know, I fought a guy downtown trying to rob a, a woman yep. when I was in high school, I broke like all his ribs and then just left him there with some other dude. But there were a lot of men in that situation who did not act who did this. Woman, right. this it was like the classic, like we're all, you know, your, your family member yeah. wanted to take one us to go out to a nice restaurant Yeah, because we were in high school and that's what she wanted because yeah. that's what people do. Right. They go to like really nice restaurants. So we we're going to a really nice restaurant downtown and it happened to be an event called dine out for AIDS. And we were in this parking area and I would say there was 15 other men, like grown adult men and then me and then, you know, most of their significant others. And on the, this con- concrete stairs, 10 feet away from us, there's a, like a homeless lady, whatever. She might've ripped them off. I don't know for drugs or something like now, as I look at it as an adult, right. it, she could have ripped them off or like it could have been a prostitution thing gone wrong, whatever. Yeah. But what I watched was this other dude in like these army fatigues, this grown man, you know, in his forties grabbing this woman and they're fighting over a purse, like the classic Spider-Man scenario. Right. And I remember, you know, tapping your, your family member and then running up the stairs and I grabbed a hold of him. And there was one other dude wearing like a Hawaiian shirt, kind of looked like a Viking had like long blonde hair. And he came up the stairs with me and he, he got the purse down as I picked him up off the ground. And instead of doing like a throw on the concrete, Maybe luckily, maybe not luckily, I squeezed him perpendicular and I had, I had squeezed him so hard. I felt his like ribs breaking and then I crump, I dropped him. He just kind of crumpled and then like crawled away, never called the police or anything. She went off to go do drugs or something. I don't know. Right. But there were a lot of grown men who saw that person in distress and maybe as adults, they were like, Hey, that's just some homeless people stuff. Yeah. They may have had that foresight to look back on things, but. But more, it was more more likely that they were not good with confrontation, and they were exactly. scared or they were not comfortable but with it. That with a little bit of the bystander effect, you it's, know, someone else will do something. And so, like with the Billy thing, before you were like a confident, oh, before right, right. you gained your confidence, you know, when he came up and accosted us, as soon as he grabbed, he shook my hand, right? Yeah. And I'm a I'm I'm a base. I have like enough striking experience to get me in trouble. Yeah. Like I, I I know I would not do well in a boxing match with like most people right right i would do better than a person that's never trained but i would not do like i know where i'm at there right right 
But the second I grabbed his hand to shake his hand, cause he was like accosting us about some stuff and it was late at night and we were teenagers and it was outside blockbuster. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those, it was one of those situations where he was jacked up enough to where you're like, what is this going to turn into? So when I grabbed his right. hand and I squeezed it, you know, I knew that we were in, we were in grappling distance. Like, right. And so for me, I was like, and honestly for me too, like, you know, I wanted to get in the car and I'm like jiggling the handle and it's locked. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't get in the car. But then I, yeah, I saw him go to reach your hand. And, and I, I it, honestly, from my end, like when I saw you grab his hand and I kind of saw how you did it and like you kind of had him, it, it honestly made me relieved a little bit. Cause I was like, Oh, he's got a hold of him now. And like, yeah. I've seen what you could do and stuff with the wrestling thing. So I mean, yeah, at that point I kind of like wasn't as stressed about it. Yeah. And especially in high school, I, yeah. I was stronger than most grown men regardless, yeah. you know, like, cause I mean, it was one of those things is it's that pathway when you're, when you're 270 pounds in high school and you, all you're doing is lifting weights and training all the time. Yeah. You know, that's sim- similar, like the, you know, the high school and, and, and college sports, you know, that go on in, in, in the United States of America, like it's very, it's taken very seriously. Right. So as, as a strong guy, as soon as I grabbed a hold of him, I was like, okay, well now, now yeah, we're in, if he does anything. Yeah. Now we're, yeah. now we're in my world. Now we're, now yeah. we're here, you know, and you know what, maybe he was the best wrestler in the world. And I just didn't know it, but he wasn't Dan Gable or Kale Sanderson. So I don't know, but right. You know, it was one of those situations where when you have enough violence, like controlled violence, you take an inert violent situation and you, and you take that and you, you get used to it. You become more numb to it. And it makes when, if you actually, you know, where somebody, if somebody was to shove me in the middle of like a a store, I would not have an adrenaline dump for it. Right. Right. Cause it's a very minor thing to me. Right. Right. Or if somebody hit me, I'm, I'm used to getting, you know, rolling with the, the, the quote unquote spazzy white belt. You know, we've all been there. If you're a Brazilian jujitsu practitioner where there's, you're rolling with, or you are the spazzy white belt who's just flailing. Cause the other person's technique is so good. You don't know what to do. Yeah. And you take a knee or you take an elbow or whatever, you know, I come home with bruises all the time on my arms. I just check my arms now Yeah, because I get pinched all the time by like white belts. Cause they, they don't know how to grab the gi correctly. Right. And, um, if you're one of those people and you're not competent, you know, like you're lacking in confidence rather than like trying, cause you can't escape. Like oh, violence has been around for so long, right? right? Violence is like, violence is the mother tongue that people have to know how to speak. Right. I wrote an entire poem about it. Right. Right. There's violence is, is this thing that exists, right? I remember when I went to a college wrestling camp, you know, and this is not to get religious or anything, but he would, he would say, God loves wrestling. God loves it because he made all the, like, cause everything you do, it just seems like the body is meant for it. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Like when you grab a hold and like the way that like, that's why your hand just fits perfectly here and does all yeah, this yeah. and does all that, you know? And he was just a call it, you know, a wrestling coach. He wasn't even trying to be religious. He was just trying to say like how important it is and how yeah. like there's this thing that kind of binds us with, with that kind of thing. And, um, it is true. Like, it's there. And unfortunately though, and I, I tell this when I teach, when I teach people, um, in like the few classes that I teach is like, there are some times where like, especially you, you go to the historical archives, AKA world star hip hop or whatever. And you go there and you'll see things as a trained person. You're like, Oh, that's silly. Yeah. Like you shouldn't do that. There must've been somebody on Noah's Ark or whatever, whatever was out there. Right. You know, 
that had bad grappling genes, because it seems that most of us have it, and <laughs> you have to break that habit. Because a lot of times, if you think you're going to act, you probably do something so silly that you're both going to wind up on the ground. Yeah. And it's not, There's a good chance. It's not fun. And that's, that's, that's one of the things to, you know, bounce off of that, too, that, you know, like, you know, most people lead a pretty, you know, nonviolent life, but there's a good chance, at least at, at some point, you know, once in your life, no matter who you are, at some point, you're going to probably, you know, be confronted with some type of situation like that, you know, whether yeah. it be, you know, somebody accosting you or whatever, like, you know, most people you talk to, they could at least name one instance where they were in some scary situation like that or someone accosting someone else just like yeah, yeah, just or, like my yeah, thing you exactly. know just like my thing on the dine out for aids night i saw that but you could also be the person who's used to violence right and somebody's screaming at the poor 16 year old clerk at starbucks yeah you know and you can be like hey buddy yeah, we don't need that she's 16 she might have to go poop right yeah. maybe that's why she screwed up your order because she's she's got to poop herself yeah right she did it too fast <laughs> she did it too fast that's maybe actually a good de-escalation take. I'm just going to start using that for anything. <laughs> it's kind of like picturing everybody naked in the crowd. Like everybody right. like, oh man, everybody right. here is about to poop. I thought pants. about, I actually thought that earlier when you were telling me about the, the road rage thing. That's what I was relating it to in my head. Yeah. That's funny. You know, so you could be the voice of reason in something. Now, like I wouldn't advocate like, hey, you know, somebody comes in with a gun or a knife, like yeah. I'm going to run at them and, and try to grapple them. That's not, no, that's not, that's just not out. smart. That's not going to work out. But you, you know, some people live a life where they don't care about that kind of thing. And if you have to help somebody else out, if you have to help out one of your family members, if you need to help yourself out, you should be physically capable, maybe not even physically capable. You should have some like, some like sensible, like sense of like what you would do in that situation. You right. Know? Like I hear, you know, um, especially like, cause self-defense stuff is often targeted towards women. Right. Right. Like, the women's self-defense scene is like an easy money-making scheme. Very much so. Right? You see that with the dust self, like the dust, the, the Detroit Urban Survival Tactics. Yeah. The, like, I've heard women who train and they're like, you know what? Sometimes I still walk with like my key in my hand, even though it probably would break, like it would cut into my own hand yep. just as much or whatever. Or they would throw the punch wrong or do whatever, you know. It, it, and t- you know what? Maybe they stab the dude in the eye and he's fine. But the fact that they went to like a, a 12 hour thing, a lot of times they're like, you've got this self-defense training yeah. right? or this three hour. Here's like, your certificate. Here's now your certificate. You, now you're ready to brave the streets. Right? Stomp the toe, turn inside, hit him with yeah. the purse. Right. You know, Bobby Hill. That's my that's purse. Not, that's, yeah, that's, I don't know you. I don't know you. Right. Th- those kind of th- like they're, they're, they're silly and they're taught and there, there's always somebody and they're always some grandiose person who knows who's all knowing. Yeah. And they teach you these things like they're an absolute. And that's one of the things I like about grappling, right? Is because not everything works for everybody's body type. Not everything works for everybody, period. Yeah. Not everything works on everybody, period. That's what I'm saying. So, if you're a small person, you know, things like striking, like punching or kicking somebody, you do have to have either some amount of strength or weight behind those things to really accomplish much of a uh, a result. Whereas with something like grappling or whatever that a lot of that necessity goes away. Yeah. So for, for grappling, it was always, you know, as a heavyweight wrestler, right. My, my high school wrestling coach, or now as a, as an adult BJJ practitioner, my, my, my black belt professor or my, even my brown belt coach, they will, they will help me figure out what to do 
based on how my arm, how big my arms are, or how big my thighs are, or whatever, yeah. to help out so that way I can do a move or a variate, like I can tweak it to match me. And I think if right. you're out there, you can do the same thing if you if you go train somewhere, you know. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that's going to make the biggest difference is to get the training again. One, you know, three hour class that you take at some school somewhere. It's at the it, Dollar General. I, it, yeah, it's. I mean, there may be some useful information in those things, I'm sure, but any amount of information you intake without practice and training isn't going to do null. you any good. Yeah, it's null and void until you. I mean, as you know. Uh, Bruce Lee once said, I don't fear the man who's practiced 10,000 kicks once. I fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. That it, you, you have to train to where stuff becomes muscle memory, to where you're not even thinking about it, that something happens to you and your body just responds. Are there even 10,000 kicks? I'm sure there are. That'd be wild. Yeah. That you would technically have practiced kicking 10,000 times, so that's, there's still that. It's a metaphor. I understand. <laughs> But yeah, so another thing is pressure testing. Pressure testing is important. Uh, that's one thing you get from like different martial arts, especially wrestling, whatever, where you're putting these positions that you learn about and then you go hard from that position after you've drilled those, those specific moves. It's called specific training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You're put into that position. You do a, when you're putting into a pressure test, you really have to use the stuff and you really see how it works and how it doesn't work. Right. And then you also learn like just scrambling, just rolling around with somebody. You know, most people don't do it after their kids, you know, they, they yeah. fight with their brother or sister or whatever. Wrestle around a little bit. Yeah. Or their parents or whatever, you know, that's, you know, my dad used to wrestle with me, kicked me in the face a couple of times on accident. <laughs> Maybe that's why I am like I am, but he probably gave me my first concussion for all I know. But right. it's, it's one of those things where, once you do that, once you do the pressure testing, become more confident and then you're going to be, you know, you're going to do a lot better. And yeah, you know, martial arts is martial. Like you, you have to be ready to hurt somebody if you're in an actual confrontation, you know? Yeah. Cause they're going to hurt you. If, you, if you're in a confrontation and you're a normal person, right. Mm -hmm. And you have no way of avoiding it. There was a woman the other day who was in like a gym. And there's just surveillance camera. And that she dude coming in after her? Yeah. yeah I saw yeah. that. There's just some whack dudes out there, right? Yeah. And she did, she's just working out. She's yeah. just, she, there's nothing, she's done nothing wrong. She's done nothing to put her in that situation. Yeah. She's just there, but she has no way of escaping it without violence. And luckily she was more violent than that guy was ready to handle. Yeah. And that's what it took. This guy and, basically came in and tried to take advantage of her and she was working out. She's she working was working like, like a 24 hour fitness yeah, it, and she it, was there by herself. It was like late at night. She was the only one there. And thankfully she, yeah, she put up a fight and she was able to get away. She opened the door cause it, you know, she, she let him in cause it was like, yeah. you know, she thought he was a member or something like that. And yeah, he starts following her around and then she, he comes after her and she fights him off. She does a great job, yeah, you know, but I would have loved to see her strangle him unconscious instead. Right. And just and his body just be there unconscious yeah. when the police yeah. arrive. It would have yeah. been great if it was like. Uh, Fionn Davies or something like that. She's a she's an ADCC world champion. Uh -oh. She's she's a Welsh BJJ practitioner. Oh, wow, right. That would have went a different way. Yeah, yeah. You know, like <laughs> a the first woman who unknown woman. She did a great job. I would love for like Fionn Davies to like. I would have loved to watch that and her and then like you know her strangle that guy, then put him in in like a neon belly or something like that, and hold him until the cops <laughs> got there. And right. There's a lot of those situations too. You can find there's a guy 
there's several of those videos, especially in Brazil, where like mm. you're more likely to find a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner in Brazil because that makes sense. <laughs> there's a bunch of them there, and so there's always like those dudes in street fights where they've got them like strangled a robber or something to that effect. Right. The moral of the story is martial arts are cool. Yes, we and, like them, and they're practical yes. in real life. And I would encourage anybody, and it's something again. I I've uh, just quit practicing currently just because I I just physically don't have the the, the time at the moment. I got a lot on my plate that I'm trying to figure out. So uh, eventually I'd like to get back into it, of course. And I, I might end up, you know, coming to your school to check that out. I've been wanting to do that for a while. Which is uh, funny. Everybody's like, why, don't, why doesn't John just train him then? Because you teach other classes. I, mean, I was just thinking, I was like, I could teach you stuff too, I guess. I mean, true. <laughs> we, we may discuss that. But I would still encourage um, anybody who is at all interested, or even if you're not interested, to go train somewhere, you know, to, to practice, especially some, some BJJ or something. Because in, in addition to that, like, uh, work out, like do what you can to keep yourself healthy. Yeah. You know, that's a big part of it is, is staying healthy. Cause if you're not healthy, you know, even if you have a lot of techniques, you know, if you were to go to implement them in a fight, you don't want to have a heart attack in the middle of it No, and, and get destroyed. So, you know, work out, stay healthy and do what you can to, um, I'll kind of uh, quote uh, one of my, uh, someone I follow online, you know, Pat McNamara. He's got some good stuff online. Um, A former Delta Force operator that, you know, one of his big things he talks about in his combat strength training stuff is, you know, you need to be in good enough shape that you could save yourself or somebody else. Yeah. And to, you know, never really, never relinquish the opportunity to be Batman. You know, as far as being prepared in your skills and, and, and stuff that if, you know, you need to be strong enough to, if you had to pick somebody up and carry them or, you know, pull them up a wall or something. Yeah. You need to be able to do that. Yeah. Cause it's no, you know, if you, you know, men, women alike, right? Like there's nothing like we live in this society. We live in a great society. The United States of America is, is a society where we, we really don't have to deal with a lot of outside stressors, right? right? There's no bandits on the road robbing us as we're traveling from town to town. There's no, dragons there's no there's no giant packs of roving wolves there's no like short face bears or whatever out there right but with that said there is there is something into being like you are your own first responder right yes there's you know when when seconds matter police are just a few minutes away exactly that's a saying right yeah when seconds matter police are just a few minutes away so you don't always have the luxury of waiting on somebody else to help yeah. you out. You may see, you know, a wrecked car off the side of the road that's on fire and there's somebody unconscious in it. You know, you need to be able to, you know, if, if you're, you might be the only person around for miles, you know, and if, you know, you're able to, you know, open the door up and drag their body out of the car, you know, you need to be able to do that, to be able to grab them and drag them up the hill away from the car. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. You know, or any, if they're drowning, you know, yeah. Be just being a good citizen where we help each other. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is we, we are such in our society, everything's so good that we go to war with ourselves. Yeah. Right. And I think that's one of that's the issues deep. that we have. I thank you. I appreciate that. I think that's one of the issues that we have is that we are so, we are, everything is so nice and so good here that we go to war with ourselves and we find the littlest things to fight over each other, but really everybody just has to poop their pants. Right. So there's really not that much indifference between us because all of us have the same thing. None of us just poop our pants and say, I'll just wait till later. We're all just like, no, yeah. I got to get to a bathroom. I'm don't get out of my way. Right. right? So just make sure that when you guys are, are out here, right. We've talked about this a couple times and, and I never really thought this would be like what the things I would talk about on a podcast, but like we still live, like everybody's still your neighbor. 
you know? Yeah. Like, if you live in the United States of America, you live in Great Britain, you live in Canada, right? You guys are all part of the same community. Yeah. Right? Help each other out. When somebody needs help, when somebody's pulling on the lady's purse, even if you don't want to run up there, even if you know that you can't fight somebody, if, if 30 people yell at them, at this guy, and everybody says they're going to call the cops, and it's just not one or two people, yeah, right? There's strength in numbers for that. Oh, for sure. And so keep that going. You know, there's strength in numbers for martial arts. You know, when you get people that are good and go into a, a somewhere that, whether it's karate or taekwondo, Muay Thai, kickboxing, whatever. Yeah. There's nothing more empowering than empowering yourself. Yeah. Right. That's one of the things, my, my time that I had in training, that was, that's one of my favorite things about it is you go into this place and you're in a, you know, you're in a building with all, all people who are all trying to better themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you're all helping each other, all bettering each other. Yeah. And it's this, you know, congruent family of people who are all striving to just be better humans. And unless there's somebody that crashes through the door, you really don't think about anything outside of it because you're so focused on this one task, which is getting better, yeah. which is also a thing, you know, I know we're wrapping up here, but it's like the other day I was, I was looking, there's something called the modern night is, it seems like it's like, it's very male centric, right? Yeah. It's very male centric. And it's like former seal guy. And then like a Marine guy and they're running them through like a seal basic training thing for like 72 hours it seems to be like a lot of men who are like, you have to be rich because it's $18,000 to go to it. Jeez. Right. But they're treating them and they're yelling at them and they're hosing them down and doing all this stuff because these men don't feel. And I was looking at their website because it would just interest me. Like that, like it just, I was like, why yeah. are these people going to it? And they had like these catchphrases like, be the per- be the man that you're, you want your daughter to marry. Be the man that your son oh. should be. You know, these very inflammatory things. Trying to pull on some pull on emotional people heartstrings who are, who are not stuff. there. When really, like, there's there's this sense, like, it was 72 hours, these guys went through it, they got treated like crap, and then they left. And there's probably, there's a million probably people that have gone through BUDS as Navy SEALs, mm. and got washed out, entire classes have been washed out. Oh, yeah. And they've gone through that thing, and it doesn't mean they're a good person. You know what I'm saying? When right. they get out. So, these people could have also just found a community or a family. That's another thing with martial arts. It, it, when you find people and you get on a team, sometimes it doesn't matter about who the toughest person in the gym is, yeah. right? That's the way my gym is. When you go to the gym, it shouldn't be about who like, Oh, everybody's got to stay away from so-and-so cause he's the bad boy. Like he's the, he's the teacher's pet. Like he'll beat everybody up. We just all bow down to him. You guys are all part of the same team. It's a family. You guys right. should be part of a family. And it's, it's a fun place. If you're looking for a place to meet adult friends, or to learn something or just get some like outside social stuff. There's nothing better. Or a great thing to put your kids in when they're young. Oh, yeah. Like that's one of like, I don't have any kids, but I've always told myself if, if you know, at some point I end up having kids, like they are for sure going to be take martial arts from a young age. Yeah. Well, you know, my kid, I want to get him in there, but my kid's a little different, you know, with all, yeah. with all of his health issues. But I, it is definitely on my to-do list once he's able to actually do it. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll end it with this. There's the, the greatest wrestler of all time uh, in the United States of America. His name was Dan Gable, right? He's, he was like, he lost one match in college and he's kind of the goat, you know, like there's some guys that probably could beat him now or whatever, but he's a, he's a college wrestling coach and he was one of the best wrestlers of all time. I think he went to the Olympics. I can't remember how he did though. He has a saying, you know, it's once you wrestle, everything else in life is easy. And so, I agree with that. I mm. think there's a lot of things like there's nothing, there's nothing worse than running sprints and doing all these things like when you're a high school wrestler. But yeah, when you look back on that, you're like, oh, 
because of that, I, because I accomplished that, I could do this. And I saw those guys, I saw what they were going through. And it seems like they just, they just needed some type of like, in, a, in the United States of America, I think for men and women, both the lack of rite of passage, there's no rite of passage for us yeah. to become adults. You see that all the time in the memes where people are like, I, I'm adulting, blah, 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 blah. And they make this cute, but realistically it is a scary thing that we don't know what we're doing. And the fact that there is no rite of passage that brings us on and takes us to the next level right? where we feel comfortable and welcomed, right? By our elders and our, the other people of our tribe. You're qualified to be an adult now. Exactly. You've done this thing. But at least with, with some of this stuff, like martial arts and that kind of thing, you get that kind of progression that you need. You get that kind of thing. And it's another place where you meet people who have different, like, if I need a lawyer, I roll with lawyers. If I need a real estate agent, I roll with real yeah, estate agents. Yeah, there's no telling who you could I roll meet. insurance people. I've got insurance people. You know, that's all that stuff is there. Yeah. You know, so... We like martial arts. We, we geek out about martial we arts. We do like martial arts. Giancarlo Bodoni, great seminar, yeah. awesome time. And you know who else would like martial arts? Probably. Well, I, I to be honest with you, Josh, I think I think we're going to have to make it mandatory. So because our crew members need to be versed in all forms of martial arts. Oh, yes. Because we don't know what they're going to face out there in the black. There's no telling. There, there's all sorts of abominations. It could even be one of you wily stowaways that joins, that just hops on board for as little as $12 a year. That's $1 a month. A dollar a month. A dollar a month to help keep the ship running. And, um, That's like four quarters. Well, yeah, yeah. or 10 dimes. Or, or 10 dimes, you're right. Yeah, point being, not a lot. Or or like one, well, how many Dogecoin is that? Uh, it depends on what the uh, inflation's done to it. <laughs> I guess so. But hey, so if you guys wanted, if you guys should join the crew, we we really want to have you as members of our crew help us keep putting out content. We we're enjoying doing this podcast. It's not does it, it costs us money to do it? Um, yes. You guys might say, hey, stop doing it all together, but we're not going to. We're no. going to be here. We're going to keep recording. We're going to keep putting out episodes every Wednesday, and we really want you guys to be part of it because. Just like my jujitsu family is my community, you guys can also be part of that same community. And, if, you know, we're here. We want to hear from you. Our DMs are open. Send us a message. Send us an email. Send us a message on uh, on our Instagram at GeekEDC Podcast, on Twitter yeah. at GeekEDC Podcast. Yeah. Watch our videos. Leave comments on our web, our YouTube at yeah. GeekEDC Podcast. Yeah, we can listen to the podcast there. And, you know, yeah, leave comments down below. Have some discussions about what we're talking about. Uh, maybe you could, you know, make some friends through there. Who knows? If there's anything that we did talk about, most of the things we talk about um, that are seem of importance, um, you can go on the website geekETCpod.com and below every episode, um, we have show notes that I curate and put on there that will link to oftentimes Wikipedia articles or something that, you know, can describe and let you know what it is we're talking about. Absolutely. And, you know, like I say, geeks fight better together, you know, and especially towards, you know, adversarial events that happen in life exactly and if you guys have all been trained it'll we'll fight even harder so yes we will so remember whatever you do in life whether it be training jujitsu karate whatever just remember to keep geeking out all right josh let's go punch you in the face now okay <laughs>